Hey good people, this is your N.I. Dom back with another reflection and this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So hey, I am starting my reflection with INTJ extroversion. INTJ extroversion. And I um, want to Look at that as either a oxymoron or a paradox. And that's how I want to open the reflection up. Now, we know. We don't know what's going to happen as I move about into that um, reflection. And really, it's um, I've been thinking a lot about the unlayering that I do when I'm in the reflection process. And I did a response to... Um, I did a response to a YouTube YouTuber by the name of Lijo who talked about the language difference between an INTJ. Excuse me. I'm sorry. She talked about the language difference between introverted intuition and extroverted intuition. And the way she described it on could apps it was uh, yes. I could see the way she described it was good. There were some helpful points in that uh, content. But there was a part of the content that got a little complicated or confusing for me. Because I think on the surface, there is something that you can do as an NI DOM that might pair with any, as an NI DOM. Or there's something that uh, introverted intuition can look like in terms of language that might look similar to something that um, extroverted intuition. And I needed to unpack that. So I already unpacked that. That's on YouTube. Go check it out. <laughs> I don't want to revisit that. Um, it's called, I think I named it uh, N-I-N-E Sameness. N-I-N-E Sameness. So go check that out. That was inspired by um, some content I listened to from a person by the name of Lijo. I think her name might be Lindsay. I'm not sure. But anyway, the reason why I'm bringing that up at the start of this reflection is because I've been thinking a lot about that sameness that looks, according to her, like extrovert intuition. How we can move about and go from like a topic to the next topic to the next topic. Um, and I don't know if it's as delineated as saying N-I or N-E. Because I think, and this is what I want to do in this particular uh, reflection. I want to start by talking about INTJ extroversion and as an oxymoron or paradox. And if you know anything about either, you would understand why I'm considering that as either axiom, as a para, paradox or an oxymoron. Because it's an, it looks like an inherent contradiction. But as I move about, as I do with all reflections, so I don't even know why I'm, I'm saying it here, but today it feels especially important. I'm going to be moving about conceptually. As I unlayer one concept, this is what I do in these reflections. I take a concept, I, I, I dig down. I'm not digging about. I'm not, excuse me, I'm not going about. I'm going down. I'm drilling down, becoming more nuanced. And as I become more nuanced, I'm unlayering and open up a, opening up concepts. And then another concept is located within. Whereas that's the introverted intuition where I'm drilling down to the nuance of a concept or, or, or a phenomenon or um, an impression. That's a better way. I haven't talked about impressions in a while. But an impression or what I call a pre-language space is when you have a knowing, but you don't have the words. So in these reflections, I'm taking a word. I'm trying to unpack I'm, and I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting, going to a rabbit hole. So let me try to bring myself back. Whereas uh, extraordinary intuition is moving about experientially. Mm, I think it's still conceptually, but it's based on experience, experience, experience that, that may be connected, but not that may be connected as an act but not connected as inherently connected. There it is. It's the act of connecting versus the act of uncovering. That's so interesting. I really want to stay here. But, <laughs> so, I said I wanted to try to keep these introductions to five minutes, but I really also want to make sure I give proper introduction. So, context. So, 
We're starting again. We're going to start off with INTJ extroversion as a concept, and then I'm going to uh, unpack that uh, as an oxymoron or a paradox, and we will see what's underneath that as I drill down. What is underneath all of that? Uh, because there's probably um, I woke up with I didn't wake up with it, but as I was starting my morning routines. That popped in my head and I want to drill down to find out what's underneath that. Like what inspired that thought? What, what is that thought? Those, that concept sitting on top of. And that's what I want to drill down and try to locate. All right, you guys, if you're new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory. The two theories that I use the most are the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. Pushing those two systems together, I identify as an INTJ8. I also identify as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I read something recently that talked about uh, intergenerational, intergenerational trauma as complex trauma. And I really like that. So one day I need to come back and talk about why I like considering it as complex trauma, which, is, which gives more nuance than just saying intergenerational trauma. But nonetheless, <laughs> I'm also a trained and practicing educator and social scientist of about 30 years, half of that time has been in leadership. Politically, I lean into tenets um, associated with critical race feminism, which the short end of it is that I have an intellectual sensitivity to how power shows up in the social world, particularly in social constructs such as race, class, sexuality, gender, to name a few. This project is unedited and it's unscripted. You want to know more about it or me? Please feel free to check out my website or go to my website at youranidom.wordpress.com. So, I am on travel. I um, uh, started a, a new job last week. I haven't really, um, really gotten into it and I want to. Um, last night, Twice now, I've had a little bit of anxiety about the new job, and I'm trying to delineate between if the anxiety is relating to the job I just left or um, or some things I'm picking up in the new job or something that is about me altogether that's separate from either of those. Uh, uh, options and so and it's important for me to start off this journey getting it um, to memorialize it to write it down or to record it so that I can compare it as I move about because anytime we go into a new situation there's growth and learning and I know there's a lot of learning for me um, and so in order for me to capture that learning I need to really identify my starting point and I am having some anxiety about the new job and I cannot locate where the majority of that anxiety is coming from is it like PT carryover PTSD from the other job because I really haven't had a lot of time in between the two jobs I don't know who does when they go when you go from one job to the next like what does that transition look like um as an educator I usually we usually have summers to buffer us um But honestly, I don't even know if I've ever really had such a job leap um, uh, in the way that I had. So we'll have to process that another time. Anyway, so I started last week, Monday. So today is one week. And um, I had to travel uh, this week for about four days. Uh, there's a conference. Actually, this is my third road trip <laughs> for the job. So there, they said it was only about 25% travel. I think it's going to be more like 40%. Um, but I'm on, um, uh, they were at a, there's a conference, uh, for four days and I'm here. I got in last night. I did a reflection while I was on the road. Um, I, it was called inheritance and I unpacked, um, uh, just something that, um, a tension point that I'm having with my cousin 
and my half-sister through my father's side. And I call that the inheritance. Like, my father passed away in uh, September. My aunt, his sister passed away in April. And what was left behind, these two, these this family dynamic that's left behind has given me a, a quasi-obligation that I'm try, I try to figure out, if, is that really my obligation? And what is it that I'm going to do with it? And it's just something that I've been wanting to deal with. And the night before, uh, so today is Monday, so Saturday night, my half-sister spent the night with me. And um, so it just left, it gave the perfect opportunity for me to come back and talk about that obligation as an inheritance and what I was going to do with it. So go check out that reflection. Um, so this morning I'm up because of the paradox or the oxymoron of the IETJ extroversion. And, um, and I, I'm curious to see what else is located here. So I'm checking into the hotel, um, last night and, um, it wasn't really crowded, but they had us in line. I was for, for, it was only, it was only a family ahead of me. So there are only two people that needed to check in. And we may have been in line for almost 10 minutes waiting. And so I was just, you know, I'm a systems person and like this is a huge, a huge resort. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a resort. It's not a hotel. It's a resort. And just kind of looking at how people move in and about this whole resort and the people, I just am fascinated by that. So I'm just kind of taking it all in more so than I am being bothered by waiting for 10 minutes. And uh, so they call the family up in front of me, and so I'm next in line. And a few minutes later, another person at the front desk was looked at me and said she was ready because the person that she had, was servicing had moved on. And instead of assuming, so when she was taking care of a customer, I don't know what you would call them, of guests, rather. She was taking care of a guest. And, and when that guest walked away, I could have assumed, oh, that person is not going to be available to take me and walked up to the counter. I didn't. I waited for her to call me over. And so I was like, we're good. She said, we're good. So when I walked up to her, I said, you know, I I just didn't want to assume that you were, you were going to be ready for me or that you were going to be the one to help me. I said, um, I worked in customer service. I know what it's like to need trans, um, transition time between one customer and the next to bring closure. There's some transactional time. And so she was like, thank you. And then some guy that was lingering behind her, I don't know if she, it was her man, apparently he was her manager, but I don't know if she was uh, being trained because I don't know why he was really lingering around like that. But nonetheless, they both said thank you. And he was like, I appreciate that. With all the authority of... It's, a, it's an authority that I've not only seen on white men, I've seen it on white male students as young as five years old. Something I, I want to talk about. And I've recently read some articles that talked about that. It's something that's social. It's an it's a, it's a attribute that is from socialization, I believe. So he was like, well, I appreciate that. Just with a level, level of authority, but that's not what this reflection is about. <laughs> and so I... Um, so, you know, I found myself bantering with them. You know, we talked about the the transactional time between two guys. Um, I just, just, how you doing? How are you? And just, just an un, honest, honestly, it was an unnecessary banter. It was a banter that extended the normal, hi, um, thank you. You know, I was leaning into the exchange. And um, he walked away to help out another uh, representative. I don't know what they're called. Clerks. I don't know what they're called. And then he came back to her and was like, "Um, can you help me? I need to find some feminine products. And she was like, huh? And he was like, you know, um, feminine products, uh, products for women. And by the way, she was black. He was white. (laughs) And he was struggling. And she was like, I, she was really not understanding what he was saying. So I was like, he wants to know where the tampons are. 
the tampons. <laughs> and, and, and she was like, oh. And he was like, thank you. And then he and I began to, again, banter into the awkward, how awkward he was in trying to locate the word tampon. Or maybe he didn't want to, maybe he had the word he didn't want to say it. But the whole, all of that, <laughs> I shared that story. Just to say how I lingered in that exchange. And I watched myself. At some point, I caught myself watching that ex- interaction, all of it, through the lens of, this is very extroverted. This is a very extroverted thing you're doing. Or is it? Um... Okay, let me, because I'm like, do I want to explain that now or do I want to go into the talking about the concepts of oxymoron or paradox? But okay, let me linger a little bit here. So as relating to this um, new job, um, last Monday I had to travel and it was um, my first time meeting my boss. I'm going to use that word boss because that's the word she likes to use. My supervisor is a better word but okay well i'm gonna come back and unpack that word boss and i don't not to be negative but to be inquisitive about what's located in that word for some people versus others uh but she definitely uses the word and it's not just about her being my boss um the people that i'm supposed to supervise and she was like well you're their boss i was like "Ooh, i don't use that language that's just not language i use I don't use it um, for me as uh, if people I'm overseeing, but okay. We'll talk about that at some other point. But um, so I met my supervisor for the first time in person last week. All of my interviews, all of my interactions with her had been over Zoom. So it's the first time we're in real time together. And then I meet my counterpart. So it's a three-man um, administ- I'm on a three-man administrative team. We're all directors. And um, we're in the room, and I'm watching the two of them. I, so, I, so I met with my supervisor the more, in the morning. I was like, oh, she's an, intro- she's an extrovert. I kind of thought she would be an introvert. But as I'm interacting with her last week, the morning, I was like, oh, I think she's an extrovert. And so we had lunch together, and I asked her, you know, because I'm not yet confident to be, like, typing people. I'm, I'm getting better, but it's like a game for me now. But I'm not, I'm nowhere near, like, like confident, like, that's an extrovert. So I asked her, and she's like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely extroverted. So I asked her about my counterpart. I hadn't met her yet. I said, well, what is she? She's like, you know what? I don't know. I don't know what she would say she is. Okay. So... A few hours later, my counterpart comes, and um, we're all, t- you know, we're all connecting, talking. But she's talking a lot, and then the two of them talk a lot, and they're pinging back and forth. Now, one thing I want to say is this: I, 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 I'd be very curious about typologists, type experts, what they would say about this, because I think sometimes. You can talk a lot, not because it's giving you energy, but because you're nervous. And I was detecting a little nervousness, like a nervous chatter, which I can do. By the way, I have learned that I can do a nervous chatter, which is quite surprising for me. So I, I believe that when I do nervous chatter, it ultimately means that I am not allowed in my mind to go inward to deal with whatever it is anxiety I'm dealing with. So if I'm dealing with some anxiety, I just will go in, go inward, go out to myself, go look up some articles, start reading. I'll start taking in some content to help me under or excuse me, organize my inner self. That's how I deal with it. Anxiety most of the time, I would say 90 percent of the time. When I find myself in nervous chatter, that means there's some anxiety I'm experiencing and I am not in a position, whether whether it's impulse, self-imposed or not, I'm not sure yet, 
But I'm, I mean, for whatever reason, I don't feel like I'm in a position to go inward. So I go exceptionally outward and I just, so that's nervous chatter. It's not something that just extroverts do. Extroverts or introverts can do that. It's just talking a lot, just talking out loud a lot. (laughs) So I was watching the two of them pinging off of each other, like going back and forth. And I was doing two things. I was like, oh, that's, they, they seem very extroverted. And I was like, huh, is there some nervousness here? What's that nervousness about? Because I was picking, I was definitely picking up nervousness from my supervisor. But without having met her, without having, like, there was nothing, like, I didn't have anything I could pull from that would say, she's nervous about X or she's nervous about Y. As a matter of fact, when I tried to think, what could she be nervous about? In the moment, I couldn't pull it. I couldn't pull it. I have it. <laughs> I think I have it. I think I have it now after a week. And we'll process that at another time, hopefully. But I keep saying a lot. I keep saying that, don't I? We'll process that at another time. We'll process that at another time. Because when I first started this project, I was so curious about where my mind could go, giving myself permission to move about and ramble because in my world, I don't give myself permission to do that. So when I started this project and I was like, oh, we're just going to see where it goes. And then as the project has evolved, I've gotten comfortable. I guess I've explored what I was going to explore and I'm not as interested in moving about as freely as I was doing when I first started. So I want to make sure I stay the course. And so I keep going, we can unpack that. Oh, we can come back and talk about that later. And so um, if I say that and I never come back, feel free to come back to me via my website or Twitter, YouTube. Like, yo, you said you were on car. I want to hear more about that thing that you mentioned and you didn't finish. Okay. All right. So anywho, um, so I'm watching the two of them have this exchange a week ago my counterpart and my supervisor and I'm like oh there's a lot of extroversion there and what I discovered about extroversion and I don't know if you would you listening to me I don't know if you would agree or not or what other people into the type community what they would say but I walked away from that observation by saying they are experiencing this experience for them is outward. For me, the experience was inward because I was observing it. I knew I was a part of it. But most of that experience of me being a part of it was happening internally for me. I believe most of that experience for them was external. Which is where the talking and the connecting was happening. Now, I also want to say, this might be a side note, but it feels relevant in this particular discussion. When I was driving, because I had to drive to meet my, because um, I'm, I'm, I have a job where I, I have a statewide territory as opposed to a district territory. Um, in previous jobs, I had a school territory or a classroom territory. So my job now has a statewide territory. So there's going to be a lot of driving to connect with people who are providing a service across the state of where I live. So as I was driving last week to meet with my supervisor, uh, one of some anxiety I was dealing with there was, oh my, she's going to have to get to know me as an introvert. Because when I'm interviewing, I'm more extroverted doing that thing that I did when I was checking into the hotel or to the resort last night. When I'm in an interview, there's a contest. That contest is outward. I go outward and I'm doing all the things that I need to do externally to win a contest. That's what the interview process is. It's about competing for a job. It's about presenting your best self. But sometimes you can present your best self and still not get the job. It's about saying, hey, not only do I have the qualifications for the job, I'm the best one for the job. That's what you do in an interview. And 
obviously I've had many contests in that regard um, that I didn't get, but I want to come back and talk about that too because I think all of this is just clarifying the kinds of jobs I need to go after because there are job interviews that I do really well at, hands down, and then there are interviews I do not. And there's a pattern of when I interview well and when I interview horribly. There's a definite pattern that I need to take that pattern as a lesson moving forward. Okay. Okay, we're going to move on from that. So I'm driving in last week. I'm sorry. I hope you guys don't Like, I have three uh, contexts I've given you. I'm talking about checking into the resort last night. And I'm talking about this interview process that I went through that lasted almost a month. And it's, I had several interviews, several inter- interactions before I got the job, before the job was ex- offer was extended to me. And then I'm talking about last week. So hopefully um, when I met with my supervisor for the first time and my counterpart. So hopefully you're able to follow me in an audio way because I don't have any visuals to give you. So you know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. So um, uh, so last week I'm watching the two of them banter back and forth or ping back and forth in this extroverted talking way. And I'm noticing I'm not doing it. Oh, I know what I'm saying. Here's the other context. I'm driving into the job last week. And I'm worried that the way she experienced me in the interview process. And I don't think it. I would say I don't think it matters because I was on screen. But I think I might can dial up my extroversion on screen that I can't in person. But in either way, I can dial it up. I can dial up extroversion. And so I dialed it up during that interview process, and now I'm like, oh, now we're going to spend a whole day together. Like, if I was just going to be with you for about 10, 15 minutes, I could do extroversion. But now we're going to spend a whole day together. You're going to know really soon I'm not an extrovert. And if in me competing for that job, in me acting extroverted, it was, was one of the endearing qualities, was one of the qualities that she liked, I'm like, oh, shit. (laughs) Now I have to. Now she's going to see I'm not on like that. So I was worried about that. I was worried. There was some anxiety there. So at lunch, we talked about, I brought up the topic of introversion and extroversion. And I I said, I'm an introvert. And what most people do when after, after they've initially met me and I say I'm an introvert, they go, oh, really? Really? I get it time and time again. And so you listening to me may go, maybe as you listen to me, you may say, you're not an introvert. Excuse me, you're not an introvert. So that's fine. Um, That's fine. I don't want to get into trying to defend that, at least not now. But that was her reaction to me. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I said, but I just want to make sure that um, I said, I told her, I said, so now that I think about it, because I said, I want you to know that, no, so that was at lunch. Then later we talked, maybe maybe two days later we talked, and I said, you know, I want you to know that two things I want you to know about me. I said, when we're one-on-one, I'm, I can be very chatty with you. The moment a third person enters into the room, I'm going to fall back and start observing. And she said, yeah, I noticed that. And this is another thing. She, I think she's an ENFJ. I'm a little nervous about saying it. I think she's an ENFJ. And I'm also going to tell you guys, she's very interested in me training the organization uh, via MBT, the MBTI. So that means, <laughs> which is what I was trying to get my other job to do. That means I need to be officially certified to do it. So I told her, I said, I can do a poor man's uh, a poor man's version of a typing session. I believe I can do it. I've done it before, where I take a group of people through a typing session. I'm not certain. I'm not trained to do it, but I'm 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 versed enough to take them through a process. And I'm an educator, right? I'm an educator. I'm a social scientist. I got a background in psychology. Fine, fine, fine. But at this particular level, to do some a typing officially, I would want to be certified to do that. So she was like, I'll look into it. So cross your fingers with me. (laughs) That would be super excited. 
because I was going to pay for that on my own pocket. But if the organization pays for it, that is a big win. So anyway, I think she's an ENFJ, and there's that NI thing, and I have caught her observing me. I, I was observing her observing me in real time. I said, she's taking me in. So this is going to be the first time in a long time. I don't know if I, since I've been studying personality theory, that's not true. She, so she's a, that's not true, but she's, she's, a, it's going to be interesting to see me being supervised by someone who has NI at the top of their stack. She's not an NI dom, but as an ENFJ, she has an auxiliary, an auxiliary NI function. So it's pretty strong. And so it's interesting. So she was like, yeah, I watched you do that. I watched you be highly interactive with me. Sorry about that. Alarm is saying it's time to get going. The conference is about to start. And um, I can't turn that alarm off or I don't want to turn it off. So just bear with me on that. Um, so she was watching me one-on-one with her. And then when my counterpart joined us, I fell back and I started observing. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I noticed that. I said, I don't want you to think I'm I'm checked out. I said, I'm very much still present. But there is an internal process that's happening. And I'm going to be able to come back to you and offer some things that we may not have caught in the moment. And she said, you know, all of your referrers said that about you. When I say referrers, these are the people who had to give me a reference. She asked for three. I gave her six. She called four. So she talked to four of the people that, um, who gave a reference for me. And she said, all four of them said that I will observe, I'm quiet. She said, I'll be quiet. And then I'll come back a, a few days later and say, here's a plan. Here's a solution. Here's a strategy. So that felt so endearing for me to know these people. <laughs> all the people that I gave to offer as a reference, they all said that about me. So I, it, it's pretty consistent in the thing that I do. Like I'm going to take it in. I'm going to identify, listen. I. It's not like I'm going to like, oh, I'm going to take three days to problem solve. Not even. You take it all in as an introverted intuition, intuitive and then unconsciously you start working that thing out. And then one day it pops, comes into the consciousness, and you're like, oh, let me offer this. So when I tried to explain this about me, because I just didn't want her to think I was checked out again, I was I came across as a little magnanimous, I think. I think I gotta look that word up. In the interviewing process. I come across I did that with the, the clerks when I was checking in last night. And I wanted you to know that's not where I live. I can perform that. That's not where I live. And I was just really worried that she would, that she was drawn to that extroverted presentation that I'm not going to be able to sustain. And what are the implications? And I think that's probably where the, you know, you're talking about security. I'm really excited about the job. You know, my sister made this comment about, that's not your landing place. That's just a step. And I, I'm in agreement. But it is a landing place. Excuse me. It is a stepping place that I'd like to rest for a while. But um, I'm also spiritually saying it's not my. I'm not in control of that. I didn't. Like when I tell you about how I got the job. When I tell you about the full process. I hope you will see it the way I see it as. It, it almost feels like an irrational event. It feels irrational how I got it. And I'm saying irrational as in spiritual because spirituality is irrational for me. Although I've been saying faith is rational, right? And you guys know that I was talking about faith a lot in June as I was closing up season four. Anyway, I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole. I'm, we're not going to go there, but... So just, I'm just worried. I am worried that based on the experience that I just left and my desire for security, like 
I feel like I have to perform more than I would if I could just say, you know what? I got this in a bag. I'm just going to be me. And last night I wondered, I said, well, if you believe, if you believe spirit brought you to this job, then you've got to trust that spirit is going to keep you, protect you. And that doesn't mean keeping you in the job. It means sustaining you wherever you land. Because what I don't want to do is walk around and just be an imposter. Uh, But I think about something a previous supervisor, excuse me, supervisor colleague, I don't know what you, but he was a principal and he said, we, none of us can walk around and say what we really mean. And I'm like, I don't know why we can't. I don't know why we can't walk around and say what we really mean. Like, what kind of world is that? That you have to walk around and <sighs> talk in codes. I, I I don't like that idea. But that, I do, again, I'm going to say I'm going to come back and unpack that. I feel like if I'm not, if I can't say the truth, I just, I'm not going to say anything. What's the point of saying something if it's not true? What's the point of using my energy to talk out loud if it's not true? It's not, what is the point? So anyway, so I just am going to just really, really work to trust spirit to say, spirit doesn't have to keep me here in this job. Spirit just has to keep me. And keeping me, I have to learn what that's going to mean about me being authentically me. Because one of the things that I do know, it's, it's so funny, the, the higher I advance in leadership, in as quote unquote the boss, I know for a fact my real leadership orientation. I know what my real leadership orientation and I'm not in that position. And last night I was wondering what it's going to take for me to realize or move into that, my real leadership position. Because there are some things about it that, um, yeah, I'll have to process that. I'm sorry, I keep saying this so much. There's so much, you guys. And I'm, I said I was only going to do 25 episodes in a season. I don't know how. You guys better go to my YouTube channel because that's going to be my overflow. <laughs> so you're going to definitely go check that out. I uploaded uh, three reflections about a week ago. So go check that out. But anyway. Oh, God. So. This thing of, and I'm going to start bringing closure so I can get get started in doing my extroversion. <laughs> oh, good grief. So this thing that I do with people that looks very extroverted, it's me bantering. It's me lingering in a dialogue, like continuing a dialogue beyond What's, in my opinion, what's necessary. It's like finding something to keep talking about. I say something, you say something back, I'm done. But there's something about that exchange that I know that I gotta linger in the dialogue. I'm lingering in the dialogue to achieve a thing. And that's what I think INTJ extroversion is it's about achieving. A thing. Conquering a thing. Being effective in a thing. And that thing requires extroversion. That I'm going to extrovert it, but only as far as my INTJ-ness will allow me. So while I look like I am extroverting it, I might feel like I'm the bomb.com, like, (laughs) ha. I think this morning I woke up like there are limitations to it. Um, I think I just got to the end of that reflection. Um, but what I want to do is let me just, let me give you these two words because I, I really think that's the bottom line. That even though I'm saying I'm extroverting it, it's still an INTJ kind of phenomenon. And it's not, I'm not really um, extroverting it the way a um, 
an extrovert would really do extroversion. It just, I'm mimicking it. I'm mimicking that. Now, I do want to say, because if you were in the cognitive functions, I could just see some experts. If you're listening to me, you're probably screaming at the listening device because you're saying your auxiliary function is extroverted. You're NIDOM. So although you are an introvert, your second function is extroverted and you're leaning into that. Yeah, I am leaning into that. My extra, my auxiliary function is extroverted thinking. Extroverted thinking is about effectiveness. I'm trying to produce something and I want to be effective in it. And I'm relying on something that's natural. I'm, I'm doing TE extroversion. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. Uh, that's, that's it right there. I'm doing TE extroversion. Extroverted thinking. Extroversion. As opposed to any extroversion. As opposed to FE extroversion. What's the other one? As opposed to SE extroversion. That's what it is. I'm doing TE extroversion with, as an introverted intuitive. Hence the naming or starting off saying INTJ extroversion. All right, you guys, I really think I really, I'm, I really think I'm done with the reflection, but let me give you these two concepts, okay? Because oxymoron versus paradox. Because so when I, when the term came to me, um, INTJ extroversion, I was like, are you contradicting yourself by saying INTJ extrovert? INTJ, the I stands for introvert. Well, if the I stands for introvert, what the hell do you mean extroversion? Right? This is what I said initially. Of course, I've just unpacked all of this, but I want to kind of rewind a little bit. That's what I was like. Well, you can't get on that recording device and say INTJ extroversion without looking at the inherent contradiction. When I started considering the inherent contradiction of the two concepts, I said, is that an oxymoron or is it a paradox? I was like, huh, I never really explored those two words. Is that an oxymoron oxymoron, or is it a paradox? And so I wanted to share with you as I get ready to close what the difference is between those two words. And I'm going to try to, it took me a minute because they're both, both of those words represent a contradiction. Okay. An oxymoron. Hold on, now I'm confused. Okay, I was right. So an oxymoron is bringing together two words that are opposite. As a, I want to say as a literary treatment to rub those two uh, opposing words together. As just a literary value. I'm going to come back because there's a reason my N.I. Tom self wants to challenge this definition. Supposedly an oxymoron is just taking two opposing words and putting them together. But they, they retain their opposite value. A paradox appears to have two opposing concepts. But in, all, in, in essence, it, it, it speaks to a truth. It's it, these two opposing concepts actually come together and present a truth, whereas an oxymoron doesn't present a truth. It just it it allows for an intellectual tension point, like I said, a literary literary value. So, oh, I, I think I do have that oxymoron right because it's like I said, a li- literary value. It's a figure of speech. And this, um, it says, it has an effect. The whole point is to give an effect. Whereas a paradox offers a truth. An oxymoron provides an effect. And I want to say an intellectual effect. Whereas a paradox can offer an intellectual truth. Isn't that interesting? Ha ha ha. So, I think I was going to contradict. I was going to poke that a little bit. But I'm going to leave it alone because some of the examples that they provided of what an oxymoron is, I'm like, you know what, like a poor little rich girl. I think that if you poke that, you can see truth there. That's not just an effect. 
bittersweet, living death. These are examples that this um, website is providing. It's the dictionary. Dictionary.com is providing. Like living death, bittersweet, poor little girl. I can poke both of those and say, as, and say I can find some truth in that. But am I doing that as an, because I'm an, INT, uh, an NI dom? I'm not sure. But I get the sentiment. An oxymoron is a figure of speech. It is supposed to just provide an effect on the reader or the listener. Whereas an, a paradox is offering a truth. Uh, so, hold on. So maybe I think mer- uh, paradoxes are more metaphors. So like telling somebody um, less is more when they're programming, uh, doing like um, like when I think about uh, doing a lesson plan, and they say less is more uh, because the less content you put in there, less activities, the more time you will actually have to linger in a particular concept, and then. You, the student gets more from it. So it looks like you're covering less content, but there's actually more learning. So that's a paradox. Less is more. Um, anyway, that's not the point of me. I'm not here to give you a language lesson. <laughs> but I wanted to talk about INTJ extroversion. Is it an oxymoron or is it a paradox? And so in this case, it would be a paradox. Because it to be oxymoron, I guess it could be both though, right? I could be saying it to catch your attention. Like, um, you see that if I, if I name this the INT, um, INTJ extroversion, somebody who knows typology would go, that's weird. So it might have the effect of going, that's, that doesn't make sense. And then get you to hit the click. It might be clickbait, get you to hit the play button or. So see what I'm saying? That could be an oxymoron because I'm pushing those two together as an effect for a title. Hmm. Is it an oxymoron? But then as a paradox, it could be, yes, I'm an introvert as an INTJ, but when I'm in certain situations and I have determined that there is a task that needs to be accomplished a contest a task that I lean into that auxiliary function and then I extrovert myself in that task as a thinking extroverted thinker so that would be a paradox because the truth of the matter is uh, we are um, um, there's a spectrum of our introverted extroversion. People don't talk about it like that in the, in the MBTI communities that I've been a part of. It's like that dominant function is who you are. But you don't just live as an NI dom. I'm not, I cannot isolate my NI self from my extroverted thinking auxiliary function. So as a result, I, I move along this pin up the spectrum here of when I'm more introverted and when I'm more <laughs> extroverted except that extrovertedness I don't I can't stay there so I can dial it all the way up and I can perform that extroversion but I'm not going to linger there so in all of those interviews that I had oh Oh, I, and I, and I think as an NI, as an INTJ, I can, I've observed people performing extroversion, so I know what it looks like, and I can mimic it. I can effectively mimic it as an, as an, as a TE auxiliary. That's the INTJ in me. I can reproduce that thing and be effective. The question is, how long can I linger there? And so, I'm going to close here because one article offers a really good way of of really um, having us to interrogate this introversion, extroversion. I don't know if you guys can tell. I'm moving about in the hotel room where I was sitting recording. is different from where my my laptop is. And I don't know why I just won't take the laptop and move it to where I'm recording. I think it's because I don't want the technology by me as as energy. Isn't that interesting? You're like, no, it's not. 
Okay, <laughs> let me say this, and I'm gonna close. I gotta close. I gotta get ready to go. Um, so there are one, two, three. Oh, questions. Oh, number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven questions. This chart, and it's crystalnose.com. I think most, a lot of people who've looked into typology have seen this website. Um, I at least I have. I didn't. I wasn't looking for it, but. When I was looking about, I wanted to get some information on introversion and extroversion. This was one of the sites that came up. I like this chart, though. So it gives a chart and asks seven questions. And then it says how an introvert would answer versus how an extrovert would answer. How do you spend your time? Um, Introvert, solitary activities such as reading or listening to podcasts, taking trips to the museum or coffee shops alone, daydreaming or writing. My gosh, I do all of that. I wouldn't go to the museum by myself, but I make, maybe I could, maybe I should. Whereas the extrovert would say social activities such as group, di- group dinners or parties, going out to events or venues with groups of friends, meeting new people or trying new things. Another website had said, this is a because people are like I can do both of those. Yes, you can. But what do you do when you're stressed? When you what do you do when you've had a long week work week? I'm bringing myself home for the weekend and I'm shutting down all the noise. I'm not interacting with people. I don't turn on a TV. I don't even want to listen to music. I want to just be inward because music with words pull me out of my head. Believe it or not, I've noticed that's why I like jazz. There are no words. Even though jazz is still can be in it, a distraction when I want to go completely uh, inward, jazz for me is better than listening to music that has words, lyrics to them. Okay, so anyway, but I think so. At the end of a stressful week, I'm not going rejuvenating with anybody. So I think that's a really good litmus test. Let me see if I should give you a couple more questions. The second question is, do you prefer large or smaller groups of people? Introverts, smaller smaller groups of people. Extroverts, larger groups of people. Third question, do you feel comfortable or anxious around strangers? Introverts can feel anxious or uncomfortable around strangers and may feel drained after too much social interaction. And this is the thing I think I'm experiencing with my supervisor. And I experience this in family situations. When I'm around strangers and I never have to see you again, I'm going to perform that extroversion. I'm going to dial it up and have a ball. I'm actually going to have a ball. But when I have to see you again and again, that's taxing for me. Because I was performing. And I've talked about this on other episodes, how people would come back to me. I've had people so enamored i'm not gonna say i'm the bomb with extroversion but sometimes i think i could do a pretty good job it's like a sales pitch i like a saleswoman i got it i'm reading the situation i'm saying it's just fun then you see me in like a a month later you remember me i have had this happen to me many times i'm sitting down people see me they like they remember my exchange our exchange they sit down with me to do that all over again because they had a good time and I'm I'm checked out and my ex would be like, I don't know, you do this always. And so I would check out and let my ex kind of clean up the, the mess. Like, And my ex was an introvert, so it was really horrible uh, to do that. But anyway, um, but yeah, so I, but now I got to keep coming back to you. There is a little bit of an anxiety because are you going to let me be? And so that's good. That's good, 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 good. Um, what do extroverts say about anxious around strangers? Does not feel anxious or uncomfortable around strangers and enjoys meeting and getting to know new people. Next question. What is your ideal work environment? Peaceful, quiet, with plenty of alone time to independently complete tasks, says the introvert. And that I'm going to be working remotely, you guys, other than when I'm traveling. So that's cool. Um, and then extrovert. Social, lively, with lots of collaboration and opportunity to interact with coworkers. So that's one of the things I'm noticing about this job. Like, we're having these meetings. Are we having these meetings because they're absolutely necessary to get the job done? Are we having these meetings because that's how you connect? Which is fine. If extroverts want to have meetings to connect, connect it on up. But I don't need this meeting to get that job done. You need the meeting, not necessarily to get the job done, but so you can feel connected to each other. 
So that's something I'm going to have to negotiate with my supervisor. Can I just go off and get the job done? Let me interact with you when I need to. So this is very different because, like I said, the job is remote unless we're traveling. Um, and then but there's all this Zoom camera time. <laughs> so um, how do you behave in social settings? Shy or reserved? And then that's for the introvert. Extrovert says outgoing or social. I fall in the middle there. It depends on, like I said, if you're strangers, I'm very outgoing and social because I'm trying to learn something about you. Doesn't. And, but once I get it, I'm done. I don't need to keep learning. <laughs> That's kind of how my karaoke community is. They know I go. I'm, I have those people as friends. But I don't sit with them. We talk. I may chit-chat with them. I sit in my seat. I'm on my phone. I'm waiting for them to call my name up to sing again. I'm enjoying the music. But I'm sitting by myself. That's how I do karaoke. <laughs> Um, how do you communicate with, I don't, I think I'm not going to read the last two. So I, cause I gotta go, but go check out that, um, the, that website, crystalknows.com and it's introvert versus extrovert. If you want the, the remaining two questions. So I think for me, this reflection has been good to help me even work through some of the anxiety I might be feeling. Um, it could be related to me going into this space with these two extroverts. Like on this team with these two extroverts and now I'm the introvert and I'm trying to sell it. Like we compliment each other. We don't have to be the same. We can comp, we compliment each other, which I do think is true. But I hope my supervisor values that because if she values connecting externally and I don't give her that, I'm worried about what that's going to mean. Now, I, my last job, the first semester, there was an ambiguity about who my supervisor was. So there was a lady who was in a position to supervise me who was an ENFJ, but she, she felt she wasn't my supervisor. So she didn't have those super, that supervisory relationship with me. But then when I moved to people who did have uh, a supervisor relationship with me, not only were they extroverts, they were censors. I did not speak their language. It was horrible. It was a horrible situation. And I think because of that, um, the typology, the, you know, them not just being extroverts, but them being sensing, uh, sensors. Um, so maybe, maybe I need to keep that in mind as I have dealing with some anxiety this morning. That even though I didn't, I didn't think I was hitting the record button to process anxiety. I really thought I was hitting the record button to talk about this thing that I can do, this extroversion that I can do. I, I'm glad I I'm glad I hit the record button to layer down, to drill down, because I think at the heart of it is really wanting to feel safe to move about in this extroverted environment as an introvert. And knowing when I'm going to be doing extroversion, but really accepting the limitations of that. There are limitations associated. I can do it. I'm never going to do it like an extrovert. So I need to come to terms with what that's going to mean, what that is going to mean. And then, you know, adjust accordingly. Oh, God. (laughs) So she just... I just got a text. She's like, I'm so excited. You want to come and meet me? Oh, God. <laughs> and so it begins. So, you guys, it has been a pleasure hanging out. Oh my, God. oh, my God. I'm ready to just end. You guys, if this reflection has had any value for you, please give it a heart. If this conversation about, you know, introversion and extroversion, um, what is true, um, like what really, like when you perform one or the other, I really talked about performing extroversion. What really is happening in that performance? What really does it mean? What's the truth? Like I said, as a paradox, you're putting two contradictory concepts together to speak to the truth. The truth is we are, we have access to both introversion and extroversion and we move about according to how we're using those, those cognitive functions and situationally why the context matters. The context matters as it relates to introversion and extroversion. 
we shouldn't talk about introversion and extroversion in the absence of context. That's the truth of the matter because it's a spectrum we can move about. But as we move about, there truly is a core of us that we need to preserve and respect and get other people to understand it and to work with us based on who we are. Like, I'm not going to change my supervisor or my counterpart. She is going to be an extrovert. And not only do I want her to accept me, I'm going to have to accept her. That's just what I have to do. And I'm going to have to learn what does that mean because I want to. I just don't know what it means. So if this conversation relates to anything that you've had, any conversation you've had in the world about introversion, extroversion, paradox, oxymorons, new jobs, please take this link and share it. With those participants, if my moving about has caused some randomness in you, I'd love to hear that. You can find me on my website at yournidom.wordpress.com, on Twitter, yournidom1, on Facebook and YouTube. Please don't forget to check out those new videos I put out on YouTube, um, YouTube or Facebook, yournidom. Let me give you your assignment. Got a real easy one for you. Are you an introvert or are you an extrovert? Now put that in context. In context, when are you less like the thing you are? In context, if you're an introvert, in context, when are you less like an introvert? If you're an extrovert, in context, when are you less like an extrovert? Go in there and identify the different situations that will make you less like the thing that you are. But at the end of the day, you really are that thing. Identify those contexts. And I bet you there's some goodies in there. There's some things that you can discover and learn about yourself. Now let's do it. You guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. Until I come back, be well. Bye.